The Bible is a religious book. That goes without saying. For thousands of years, it's been a source of hope and direction for billions of people. Even those who don't hold any commitment to a singular faith acknowledge the Bible as a profound literary work, even if it's only one of many sources of divine revelation. But it seems like those who don't hold any faith commitments at all are often left out of the picture. The caricature of those people is that they are mockingly dismissive of or vehemently opposed to the Bible. But perhaps some just don't care about it at all. What about them? At the same time, the Bible is in many ways a very human collection of writings, a book grounded in the human experience. And the knowledge gained by humans at any point in time is inherently limited whether by our five senses or our finite mental capacity to understand things beyond ourselves. Christians throughout the ages have had to wrestle with what it means for the Bible to have both human and divine authors. In this fifth episode of our Bible series, we ask, how do we balance the belief in Scripture's divine revelation with the reality of its human authors and editors? Where does one author stop and the other begin? Can a non-faith-committed person glean anything from the Bible? Can someone believe in evolutionary science and still be a Christian? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. Kurt. Doing well. That's Doing good. Well. That's good. Yeah. We just had an off the record uh, conversation about the definite article for you listeners. That's, so I don't. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah. I'd say it was riveting. Riveting. <laughs> I'm just saying, I thought most people knew what the definite article was. Do you, listener? I would say comment, but we're not a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Leave uh, a rating with your answer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anywho, uh, the definite article is the, for if you're if you're wondering, and the indefinite article is a, the house, a house, definite, indefinite. Anyway, well, we right. just lost a few subscribers. <laughs> yeah, we're like you know I didn't sign up for grammar for English class. Anywho, all right, let's jump in. Let's jump in. <laughs> Hey, this is our, f- what, fifth episode now? Or it will yeah. be, depending on how we... We keep splitting How this conversation goes. long-winded. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, this will be at least the first part of our conversation, if not maybe the whole, depending, again, on how long the conversation goes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, episode five of our Bible series. Um, if you haven't listened to the first four episodes, probably would be helpful to go back yeah, and listen to them. a good idea. Yeah. yeah, we talk about different approaches to the Bible. Should we take the Bible literally? What do we do if we if we don't take the Bible at face value? Lots of good questions. So what kind of baggage does the Bible come with and us as readers come with as well? And how do those kind of like, you know, 
mingle and interact. Yes. So without further ado, let's uh, head into the first question from the pew. So the first question that we have, can someone who's not a Christian glean anything from the Bible? Mm. Fair question. It's a good question. Yeah. I think originally when I was like thinking about this question, it was, I phrased it, can a non-faith committed person glean anything from the Bible? It's a little, maybe that was a little too broad. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when, I, when you say that, I think of someone who's not committed to any faith. So like right. the nuns on the, on the uh, what do you call it, census data or mm, whatever. Right. Which I guess could also be an interesting, you know. Yeah. Sub-question. Yeah. Question yeah. within the question. <laughs> Questionception. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but can a, can a person who's not a Christian glean anything from the Bible? Yeah, obviously the... I mean, maybe we should even broaden that up now that I'm thinking about it, because, I mean, Christianity is the context that we're coming from, uh, sure. right? But obviously, we both know, and the majority of you, our listeners, know, the Bible was around, scriptures were around mm, prior to the advent of Christianity. Christianity, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, the Hebrew Bible, or what you know, Protestants yeah. would call the Old Testament. Totally. Well, I mean, that's like kind of related to a funny question, which we don't have to take up. But it's like the, what did uh, you know, what did people do before Jesus or whatever, or how did you know? <laughs> which, I'll be honest, I think now that I'm thinking about that question in the context of, like a greater understanding of Scripture, I feel like it's just not a question that, I don't know. It's, I guess it, that question is focused on the main goal of Christianity is getting you to heaven. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or the main goal of Jesus is getting you to heaven. And so that's where it's like, well, I mean, that that's like a part of it, but I, that's not really what it's about, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah. Anywho. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, a couple, couple of different oh, ways ahead. to approach that question, I guess. But basically anyone who doesn't hold to the, you know, a faith commitment, I guess, um, yeah. whether it's, yeah, not to Christianity or any faith commitments at all, I guess. Maybe we can take it both as a both and kind of yeah, question. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about it in previous podcasts. This is a pretty important question, just because you know the um, the United States is moving, you know, more and more away from a Judeo-Christian, um, you know, worldview. Um, and I'm not even saying that to as a polemical statement i'm just saying that as a as a fact like people from different faiths because of their where they're migrating from right. um, are bringing their faiths with them yeah um, and so for those people or even like what we were saying earlier can an atheist glean anything from the bible someone who doesn't sure. hold to any faith commitments sure. at all yeah so that's where yeah that i mean it's an interesting uh, well you bring up like the changing demographics because, like, the—I guess the way that Christianity looks, like, in Asia, for instance, which is very—just a lot of religions going around, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a different type of 
thing there. You know what I'm saying? Whereas mm. I feel like evangelicalism over here historically has been all about like, you know, it, it's very like outward focused. Like let's go out and like, you know, win souls or whatever, which I don't know if I'm like pumped about that whole phraseology. But um, whereas I feel like in Asia, it's like, like everyone, we all coexist here. I mean, not all the, not perfectly all the time, but like, I mean, if you just take like India, I mean, any, really any, any Asian country, there's like, you know, there's Hinduism, there's Buddhism, there's Islam, Christianity, depending on, I mean, who knows how much Christian, like Christianity has a presence, but like, there's all these different religions living in the same space. So it's just a different, you know, it's like a different type of thing. Uh, right. Whereas I feel like in the West, it's like when you're talking to someone about Christianity, it's either they're most often it's like, or it's has been in the past. They're either a Christian or they're just like, you know, not, or they're nominally a Christian, but they don't practice or do anything like that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's a different, like, it's just a different environment. And that's like, you know, the, just the more diverse a place gets, like the more, mm-hmm. you know, the more that becomes the reality is it's like a pluralistic culture right yeah so it's a anyway i mean that's where we're going yeah i mean it's for me i guess in one way i can answer this at least start to answer this question is that it's um for me all in the approach right so i'm i guess i'm speaking specifically about you know someone coming to the text like doing a value judgment on whether or not the Bible is useful to that person in his or her life in their particular context. Sure. Um, I mean, part of it is is in the approach, right? Are they approaching it as an antagonist or a genuine seeker, like someone who's actually trying to figure out what sure. value the Bible brings to their life? Because you can, yeah, you can kind of like how we come to the Bible with our own presuppositions, you know, as people of faith, people of, you know, you know, no faith commitment or different faith commitments are coming with their own baggage uh, as well. Sure. Um, and so, um, you know, the the questions that maybe a... I'm just going to pick a, a random, you know, non-Christian faith or a non-Abrahamic faith, uh, you know, yeah. a question that a Hindu is coming to the Bible with are going to be sure. different from the questions that an atheist is coming to the Bible with. Sure. And one of them maybe is going to be more antagonistic than another. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I guess, so like, I don't know, as someone who, like, you know, is pumped about the Bible, I would say, like, it's teachings and, like, the wisdom that is inside of it, I think is like, yeah, like, I think it's helpful for everyone. Um. But, yeah, I mean, just as you say, I mean a non-faith committed is that what we're calling it non-faith committed person (laughs) jury is still out on it (laughs) yeah we're still figuring that out but someone who's not a christian uh i mean they have they would have to do the same work to get at like you know the original meaning they would be a cross-cultural uh exercise even if some of the cultures like the modern day cultures are closer to uh ancient israel like maybe in their like more collectivist type of cultures mm-hmm. or, you know, they might be a little closer. It's still, it's still thousands of years and, uh, 
traditions and rituals that they don't share. You know what I mean? So right. they would still have to do the same work that anybody else, you know, a Christian would have to do. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it doesn't make a difference? Um, but yeah, so that's where I mean to me, it's like I think there's like wise teachings, obviously, in mm-hmm. the Bible. Even if you don't say, you know, Jesus is my Lord, you know, if you don't, if you're not saying, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. and His teaching, like I still think. You know, there's like wisdom. And I think I think people of other faiths would say that about their like holy books. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like I'm sure yeah, people of other faith would say that. Um and I think that's like my thing is I think like the uh I guess the buy in would be less. And I'm only talking about myself with like other religious texts. So like I think it's like mm. interesting, you know what I mean, to like read the Quran and I haven't done it as much as I probably want to. Um, or yeah, just like some of these other holy writings. Um, but at the same time, I'm not like banking like my life on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, I won't, if there's like, if there's something in the Bible that seems wrong to me or, you know, I, it just doesn't sit well. It's like, well, I got to like figure this out. Cause I don't like, this is a thing that I bank my life on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's where, like, I don't know. So for me, like, that's why I'm pumped about the Bible, um, which I can imagine someone who is not me just, like, being interested in, in learning, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's why I actually, I want to learn more about, you know, other religions and what what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, um, we've got to remember that, the like the earliest Christians, as much as they were preaching Christ as Lord, they were also embodying this new ethic that was attractive mm. to people, you know, outside of the Jewish faith, outside of, you know, what at that point was called the way. So th- there must be things that can be gleaned from the Bible or, uh, you know, um, what can be applied from the Bible, even without conversion, right? And so, like, off the top of my head, kind of like what I was just saying, there's an ethic that one can derive from the Bible. Again, setting aside the the claims of, um, you know, Christ's Lordship, all those different things, it the Bible provides an ethic. It's a, it provides mm-hmm. answers to the question of how one ought to live. Truly. Well, and that's where I think, um, and now I guess I, I'm talking a little bit to the Christians who are listening, but I guess that's where I think it's like our, I mean, if we get the Bible right, that's like what we'll be doing is like, we'll be in the world living out an ethic that's attractive to other people. And I don't just mean attractive for the sake of attracting. I just mean that it's like, it's good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like when I meet somebody who's just like a good person and is like, you know, just pumped and about life and doing things, it's like, wow, like I just want what they have. You know what I'm saying? And I think I think where a lot of times Western Christianity gets it wrong is we're like, we got to... We got to look good to attract people to get them saved, to get them to heaven. That's like the idea, you know, like the main, the main point of the whole thing is like, got to get people to heaven. So anyway, we do it. It's almost like that then justify the means, you know what I mean? So it's like, Mm. I mean, this is getting a little bit into the weeds, but it's like, 
oh, like our leaders are really toxic and treating people horrible. Let's just not talk about that and like hide it because we want to put on like a good face of what Christianity is to attract people. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, that's actually, it's actually not building the kingdom of heaven. And it's actually really harmful to a bunch of people. And biblically we see an ethic where leaders are held accountable for their actions. And so in doing that, yeah, in that approach, we're ignoring yeah, parts of scripture. Well, that's, and that's what I mean. And so that's, I feel like if we, if we adjusted our focus to, instead of trying to get people into heaven, which is like, I get it, (laughs) but also the Bible is a lot less concerned about that. And we started to say, how can we like build the kingdom of heaven on earth and like create a community, create a, you know, I guess a church organization that like is just life giving to its members. And then also to like, you know, the surrounding community, it just kind of like pours out. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it's like, to me, that's the focus of what Jesus is trying to do. And like what the old Testament is talking about. uh, And even what Paul is saying, like with the church, obviously they're like, you know, they're engaging people like with Jesus. So it's not like, it's not like we don't talk about him or like, we're not trying to have people follow him. Uh, but at the same time, like, I think the reason why they're trying to get people to follow Jesus is because it's a better way to live on mm. earth. And it's yeah. like, it's a transform a transformational way to engage with the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so like, that's like their, that's their motivation is like, let's transform the world like through Jesus. Whereas I feel like our emphasis a lot of times is let's get people into heaven any way that we can and this earth doesn't matter at all. And it's mm-hmm. like, ah, I just, I mean, one, I just don't think that's biblical. And then two, I think it leads to just bad practice and kind of horrible things like I talked mm-hmm. about earlier. So, yeah, yeah and I that, don't know. And that's an extreme, right, within the evangelical circles from which we come. Agreed. Um, and I would largely agree with, with your sentiments there. Um, but at the same time, as well, you know, on an extreme side of the extreme side of, you know, what are called mainline denominations, mainline Protestant denominations. Yeah. Um, depending on the circles you're coming from, they might be called liberal, you know, Christians or denominations. Uh, there's so much focus on it, on the ethic that the spiritual side mm-hmm. of things, like the reason why we have this ethic is because Christ is our Lord and we submit Indeed. our lives to him. Then that's lost. Um, again, on a very extreme side of things, right? Um, so it's like there's a yeah, so much of this has gone to the uh, to the extremes that it's not helpful. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I think when it becomes just about the ethic, and then it's like Jesus is just a figure that taught us the ethic. It's like, well, I just don't. That just doesn't make any sense to me. You know. Yeah. Like, well, we talked about it with Michael O. Emerson, right? In yeah. the what two seasons ago now, um, yeah. we talked about his article. Um, what was it? He wrote for Christianity Today. Sorry, Jesus, I've got justice duty. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. when the ethic is placed in front of or separated from Christ's lordship. Sure. Then it's lost. Then it's lost its moorings as to why we have that ethic.
we are fully in the weeds, I think. Because There's no turning the question back is, now. does this have any, uh, does the Bible have, you know, anything to offer people who are not Christians? Which I would say, yes. Yeah, um, an ethic. Yeah, it does. It, like, yeah, it's it has an ethic. ethic. Yeah, truly. Whether you buy um, into that or, you know, want to live yeah. by that ethic is up to you. Right. And I think, I mean, to me, if you're at least coming to history with like an open palm, I think you, you know, at the very least, you could say Christianity was an advancement in like ethics. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. In the sense of, yeah, just, you know, yeah. putting the other above one's own self. Yeah. I There's been like. a claim that I've heard of like, and I don't know how true it is um i don't know why it wouldn't be true but um again i haven't done the research but there's been a claim that you know the majority of the first hospitals in history have been founded by christians not to say that all hospitals have been founded by christians but medical care was started in large part by by christians because of the ethic of well we want to preserve human life um, those sorts of things. So you get names like, you know, First Methodist Hospital or something like that, and you you sure. see remnants of that. Yeah. And again, it's not to say that other people Saint don't Mary's. care, but but there's a that's such an important part of Christianity, and this is coming from the biblical ethic. Sure. Um, right. So that's yeah. that's one way in which Christians have lived out that that ethic from the Bible. Yeah. Agreed. So that's where, yeah, I think it it does. I think my challenge, because I I imagine most of the listeners to this podcast are, you know, people of faith, um, and that's where our that's why we went into the weeds of, uh, you know, I guess just, you know, what we you know remembering what we actually are offering the world, which is like a transformational experience, both personally and like you know collectively communally. Um, which is, I think, why Jesus came. And then the transformation just continues on past death, which is awesome. Mm. Pumped about mm. that. But you know, Further up and further know. in, as our friend <laughs> Louis, C.S. Lewis Over says. C.S. Lewis. Let's go. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, uh, the Bible offers an ethic to you know, Christians and non-Christians, non-believers alike. Um, I've got like two other things, but I don't know if you wanted to add anything else. No, no. Yeah, that. go for it. Okay. I think it also offers an approach to morality, right? So it's slightly different from the ethic question of one, you know, the the best way to live one's life. Um, But like this, the Bible also offers definitive answers as to what is right and what is wrong. Mm. Um, Obviously for um, people who hold faith commitments, you know, linked to the Bible, it's, it's birthed out of, you know, we see as the character of God. Um, and so that's what gives us the grounding of, of what is right and wrong. But, um, but I think, but I think, yeah, that, that can offer, um, that's one thing that the Bible can offer even to people who are non-religious. Totally. I think my, like my hesitation with this whole, this question is because I just feel like sometimes like the things that, like you say, the ethic and then this like morality piece. Um, I just feel like sometimes Christians get it wrong. <laughs> mm. So that's like the, I don't know. Yeah, I guess to me, like, so an example of that is like, okay, so if we think about like, um, 
creation as like this abundant thing um, that like God made, um, which has enough to provide for everyone, all humans, all animals, all plants, um, which is like the way that I think Jesus saw it, especially like if you talk about like Matthew 5 and the, or is it Matthew 6? I think Matthew 5, where he talks about like, you know, look at the flowers in the field. Mm-hmm. They're not toiling, but they're clothed. The birds, you know, they don't work, but they're fed. Um, just like this idea of like, there's like enough to go around. And like, I mean, the reality is sometimes there isn't enough to go around. Um, but more often than not, it's either caused by like, essentially disorder or unorderedness. And by disorder, I mean like human sinful actions and greed and like keeping resources from our fellow humans. Mm-hmm. So like disorder or unorderedness, which is like, you know, just the chaos that is in the world that isn't moral. It's amoral, like tornadoes or hurricanes, you know, quote unquote acts of God. We would mm-hmm. say that's like, uh, we would say God ordered creation like, but there's still disorder and then there's unorderedness. Anyway, um, so that's where I, I think Jesus, like, kind of, he's calling us to see creation as abundant and, like, there's plenty to go around, um, kind of like even when there's not. It's a safe space even when it's not, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Um, but, like, sometimes, like, I, I guess I feel like so many Christians, like, what I hear is, like, this mentality of, like, Like, your family's first. You got to protect your family. Like, do what you got to do to, like, make sure they're safe. And then, like, from there, it's like, you know, figure it out from there. And I guess to me, it's like, I I don't think that taking care of your family is a wrong thing to do. But I guess it's just, I mean, that's what, that's the, the moral that humans have had throughout the whole existence is, like, this loyalty to clan. You know what I'm saying? It's like, obviously, I mean, Jesus says it in, like, or is it Paul? Maybe you can help me. I don't know the New Testament. I'm telling you, I know nothing about it except for some references. <laughs> no, that's not true. But, uh, but basically, just like you know, it's, it's even, like, people who are not Christians, like obviously, like love those who love them and treat them well, and like mm-hmm. are in their clan. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so that's where it's like I think the morality of the Bible extends beyond just like protect your family and make sure they're okay. And it's like it's a challenge to see the world as abundant, it has enough for everyone. So I can worry about like this person who I don't have a connection to like just as much as, you know, people who I'm very close to. So Mm. that's where, I don't know. I I feel like that's like what Christianity can offer the world. You know what I'm saying? Or like Mm -hmm. the Bible. But a lot of times I feel like Christians don't always embody it. And so it never gets to the world because it's not even getting to Christians. (laughs) You know, Mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I I mean, you touch on kind of like my third thing that, um, that the Bible can offer. It's a lens through which to view the world and other people. Um, and you, you kind of touched on elements of that, right? Because how way we view the world and other people, um, is going to play into, maybe I should have started with that lens. (laughs) It plays into our ethic. It plays into, um, goes into how we answer what is right and what is wrong, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I mean, historically, obviously, we've, you know, Christians in particular um, have have misinterpreted Scripture yeah. 
and misapplies And not to say we haven't got it right at times. That's what... Sure. I feel like yeah. a lot of times I'm dogging on Christians. I feel like there are definitely times where we get it right, and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think I just... My main stance or whatever is <laughs> I'm just trying to help by pointing things out. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree. Um, it's not to say that, yeah, Christians have been awful. There, yeah. there have been good things that Christians have done. Um, but in in, yeah, some instances we've gotten it horribly wrong. Right. So I think of slavery, for example. I mean, Southern slave masters were literally using passages of scripture as a as a means of enslaving their people, uh, their, you know, half of the population. Um, It's kind of crazy to think that that you could get that so wrong. Um, And it's been. Yes, you know, a, a wound that's been, you know, affecting this country totally. ever since. Well, that's one of my, like, I guess my encouragement to the listener is obviously, like, talk with your pastor and, like, you know, your faith leader and, like, have them help you. But also realize that, like, I don't know, if you're in a vacuum, I guess, of, like, teaching, I think it's a, to your detriment. For the reason that you said, it's like, Obviously, I mean, obviously, like, Southern slave masters had a reason to be, like, making that interpretation or whatever. Um, But, like, they're just taking everything out of context. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They have have no regard for what the Bible is actually talking about, Mm -hmm. Um, like, in in those passages where it does say, like, slaves obey your masters. It doesn't take into account that they live in a Roman society where there's nothing Christians can do to change that, you know, Mm. that... uh, reality as opposed to you know colonial america where the people who are the christians are the people in power who would be able to stop the Mm -hmm. institution of slavery so there's uh so they obviously they just blatantly disregard context and that's the same thing where you know the lutheran church in germany and nazi germany it's like they not all but like and there is actually a lot of stories of christian leaders opposing you know the third Reich and all that. But then there's a whole bunch of them who went along with it and, you know, started interpreting scripture like with a Nazi worldview. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where it's even now, I think we're at risk of that. If we don't have diverse voices talking to us about, you know, what the Bible is saying, you know what I'm saying? Like we're Mm -hmm. at risk of, of missing. Mm -hmm. And And you can ask yourself, how do those Christians get the Bible so wrong? And I, I agree. One, I think they have a motivation to do so. But then two, it's they're isolated from, you know, any other readings or any other Christians who could help them mm-hmm. see past it. So anyway, yeah. But yeah, I so I do think the Bible has a lot to offer people who are not Christians in the world. Mm-hmm. My goal is hopefully we can get Christians to where we're actually offering it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I think one um, one person who um, this isn't a a blanket approval or recommendation of of all he writes or teaches about, but um, Jordan Peterson, a clinical psychologist out of Toronto, um, he was asked multiple times, "Do you believe in God or are you a Christian?" Um, and his statement or his response a lot of times has been something to the effect of, "I live as though God exists." Um, cause he recognizes 
that even if one does not hold a faith commitment, um, and this was like in his lectures about um, the Bible and stuff, this was birthed sure. out of those lectures. Um, yeah, he recognizes that fact that even without holding faith commitments or, you know, having the committing one's life to to Christ, if I can use that Christian phrase, um, the Bible still offers a good way to live when taken mm-hmm. in its proper context and interpreted um, well. And this is a clinical psychologist, um, yeah, you know, totally. who's, who's talking about this. So there's got to be some, yeah, reckon recognition of the benefits um even you know if someone doesn't you know have the mental assent to you know what the bible claims yeah agreed Um, i would say when jordan peterson talks about race you just just turn it off you don't (laughs) it's not it's not very informed anyway sorry but no that's fair um yeah and i think yeah i think like people in good faith that's a People who are who are not in a faith but are of good faith, I think they can like see that there's a mm-hmm. you know there's something to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, we're probably reaching the end of what should be an episode, so maybe we can wrap it up <laughs> and we can continue the conversation in part two. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. Uh, I think there are things to glean for those who aren't Christian. Um, I think my emphasis for this question is hopefully to get Christians to get the Bible right. That way, we can actually offer it to people who are not Christians. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, no, I'd say yeah. I mean, maybe I'll go back to the illustration of further up and further in, like that I said earlier right so the the things that can be gleaned and maybe it's maybe that's too niche of a reference (laughs) but it's from the chronicles of narnia no where um it's at the very end of the what seven book series and um they've reached you know what in that you know literary world is basically heaven paradise the afterlife um and this phrase, further up and further in, was stated by one of the characters because they were realizing that what they saw in their world prior to, you know, going into the afterlife was so much richer in the afterlife. Like, what they felt before was just a glimpse of what it really was, and the mm-hmm. further up and the further in they went into this afterlife in this new world they realized that um you know trees were more tree-like than they had ever imagined for example um or the england that they experienced prior was just a shadow of what real england was really like Mm. so if i can use that analogy i think that the um that the bible offers a great starting point in terms of ethics question answers to questions of morality you know worldview how we view others it offers a great um starting point and points at which i think a lot of people even non-christians or non-faith committed people 
can agree with. Um, but, you know, the further in they go into Scripture, I think the further they're going to realize, oh, the Bible offers a better world, kind of like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is better than anything that we could have ever imagined, and this is what real humanity ought to look like. This mm. is what um, this is what our world ought to look like. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I mean, we, we say this all the time in the podcast, right? So it's a, it's a ever going con, it's an ongoing conversation rather. Yeah. Um, and so it's an invitation, I think, to, to those outside of the Christian faith or outside of faith, um, in general to not write off the Bible as only an ancient book that are as, you know, no use for us today, but, uh, it can offer real answers to today's problems. Um, because yeah, today's problems are just permutations of what yeah. um, has plagued with humanity yeah. for yeah. ages. <laughs> Truly. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Well so, said. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can uh, end this part of the conversation here, and then what we'll do is pick up uh, part two of the conversation with basically the uh, the other question that we, that we have um, in part two. Yeah, and if you'd like to support us financially, you can do so at Patreon. Uh, it's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. Uh, and if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. Leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For questions from the Pew, I'm Reichert Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.